0: Welcome to a brand new edition of Daily to Dynasty, your one-stop shop for all things fantasy football. Whether your thing is dominating your friends in your fantasy leagues or cashing tickets every week on your daily fantasy service of choice, this here is the show for you. If you have found this show, thank you so much for doing so. Please follow us on Twitter at Daily to Dynasty, all spelt out, Daily to Dynasty. You can follow myself, Craig Gorbinoff, at Seagorb94. You can follow Rich at Coda522. Or you can follow John at John Hazlett 475 Now, there's a lot of ways to find this show. If you're watching it on YouTube, you you get to look at all the fancy graphics and, you know, comment in the player below and all that fun stuff. Uh, It's also available via podcast, wherever podcasts are heard. And you can like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening to this show. If you want to be a part of the program, we have an open voicemail line. Just head on over to Anchor. Dot FM slash daily to dynasty again all spelled out daily to dynasty again that link anchor.fm slash daily to dynasty uh there's a button right at the top you can leave us a voicemail and we will play that in the following episode and answer your questions live on this program real fun way for you guys to get involved and participate in the program a little bit more business uh to attend to we are proud to uh, partner with the Underdog Newsletter. If you are a fan of Underdog Stories, and if you're a sports fan, odds are you are one, you'll love our friends at the Underdog Newsletter. Every week, they sift through hundreds of articles, videos, and podcast interviews. Then every Tuesday, they send out a bite-sized rundown of only the best stories you can find all in one convenient location. You can subscribe to the newsletter at jokermag.com newsletter, and follow them on Twitter at jokermaghq. All right, guys, that's all the, the upfront business. Without further ado, let's welcome in our co-host, Rich. John, how are you guys doing tonight?
1: I'm doing well, Craig. It's another great week of NFL news, which is it's surprisingly a good thing for July. It's coming in, it seems like, every single week based on what's going on. Uh, it's giving us a lot to talk
2: about, so I'm, I'm legging it so far. Ditto for me. Uh, happy that we have things to actually talk about. Um, And, you know, getting ready, gearing up for hopefully a season um, and getting ready for uh, fantasy drafts and stuff like that. So looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it has been an eventful week around the NFL, um, which in, 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 in rumors and speculation and contracts, but also in some progression in regards to COVID-19 and and how the NFL will be handling it. And let's let's start the show off like we always do with our just kind of general NFL updates. Uh, The first of which is uh, San Francisco 49er running back Raheem Mostert has asked to be traded. Uh, He's unhappy with his salary situation for the San Francisco 49ers. He's not the first person this offseason to request a trade. Jamal Adams had requested one as well just about a week or two before we had started this program and we never really got to discuss. So let's start there and Rich, I'll kick it over to you. Let's let's start with Raheem before the three Jets fans bash on Jamal too much and just kind of break this down down for us uh, from the player perspective and the team perspective.
1: All right. So, I mean, for Raheem Mostert, he just won a Super I mean, he was just in a Super Bowl for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. He was a huge part of that team. He was a huge part of the reason why they got to the Super Bowl in the first place. You know, I understand with Kyle Shanahan, they have – Running backs galore, and you know you can plug plug and play all the running backs. But uh, I feel you know what he's asking for isn't necessarily a trade. I know it came off as he wanted a trade. I just think he wants fair compensation for the role that he played on the team. Um, it came out that he wanted to match what Tevin Coleman got, which is four point four million. Which I mean, in the scheme of things, that's not a ton of money. Uh, obviously, I know running backs they they tend to grow on trees, and some you know and on some teams. Um, but Matt Breda, you know, he got traded to the Dolphins. Uh, Derek McKinnon hasn't really played since he was on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Tevin Coleman, he is, he has injury concerns as well. I feel like Raheem Mostert is the most well-rounded running back on that team. And I think at the end of the day, the 49ers will make it right. And I think he will be a San Francisco 49er next year, probably at that $4.4 million. Um, I think it would make more sense for them to unload someone like a Jarek McKinnon, um, and then just make up that money to give it to Mostert. Mostert has a great story. He was on tons of teams until he found his role here in San Francisco. Um, I, I really think it's a lot different than what we've seen with players asking for trades. Um, it's a lot different than what we saw with Le'Veon Bell holding out, and it's it's a lot a lot different than what Jamal Adams is doing, which you said we're gonna get to, but. Yeah, I I think he should get paid that 4.4, which is what he's asking for, just based on all the work that he put in.
0: And Mostert is a player that I'm a big fan of. I I discussed him uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about our our fantasy stacks to watch out for this coming season. Um, You know, I I think he's a very well-rounded running back. I think he brings a lot to the table. And I think he deserves that level of a payday for sure. Uh, Is he... A top 10 back? No, but I think he's a quality starter, and I think he brought a lot to that offense last season that went to a Super Bowl. Uh, John, before we we bash on Jamal Adams, what what's your overall thoughts on, on the Mostert situation?
2: Well, I'm going to echo what you guys both said. Uh, do, do I think he deserves it based on what he did last year? I do. And I don't blame him for asking for it. He's a guy that's bounced around the league a little bit. He really hasn't seen a payday, and he figures, hey – let me try to cash in on what I did last year. And I, and I don't blame him. Um, Do, do I think he's going to get that money? He he probably will. Uh, The one thing that I keep in my head is that Shanahan um, with, with him and that offense running backs are kind of a dime a dozen. Um, You know, he picked Mozart off the scrap heap. There's no reason he can't do that with somebody else, but with Brita being gone and McKinnon being hurt all the time, you know, it's a nice two headed monster. They got there with Mozart and, Uh, And Coleman. So um, I I think he at least deserves to be paid what Coleman is. And I'm fairly certain that the Niners are going to do that. Um, And if they don't, I I think another team probably would. So it's definitely worth keeping an eye on.
0: Now, since this news has broken, um, it's it's been. I've seen it on Twitter. It's not an official rumor, but Jamal Adams has requested a trade. Raheem Mostert has requested a train. It, it, it's it's been floated out there that maybe they just do a, a player for player swap. I think that's a dumb trade for for the Jets to partake in. But I've heard of dumber things than the New York Jets doing. But let's talk about Jamal Adams now. And, and really, I'm gonna pass it over to you two because I feel like you guys have really been clamoring away to hate on Jamal Adams and. I just am upset that I'm going to have to buy a new Jets jersey for like the 800th time. Um, and I, I want to wallow in that for a minute. But, but John, let's start with you. Jamal Adams requested a trade for the New York Jets a few seasons ago. Or not a few seasons, a few weeks ago. And he's really, you know, been a, a cornerstone of this defense. He's been a quality player. He was a top draft pick. He looked to be a piece that the Jets could really build around. And this is kind of a same old Jets story and really deflating to a, a young, promising team.
2: Yeah, my, my feelings on Jamal have changed over the last year. I'll say, uh, on the field, he's one of the top players in the league, and he and he deserves to get paid. I don't think there's any question. Off the field, uh, if if the guy would just shut up and get off Twitter once in a while, or get off Instagram once in a while, you know, I I probably feel a little differently uh, about him than I do. Um, I I think he's got uh, again, he's got all the tools to be uh, a, a, an impact in this league for a long time, and. And to be fair, he's more than a free safety. He's more than a safety. You know, he lines up outside. He, he, he can cover. He can, you know, you know, he can get to the quarterback. He can do all those things. I have no problem with his play on the field, and I have no problem with him wanting to get paid. What I have a problem with is with him trying to engineer a trade or to, to force the Jets' hand. When he's got two years left on his on his contract, it's making me feel like Jamal is not a guy that I want to have around on my team and it has nothing to do with his on the field ability nothing whatsoever but if you look at what he's said and what he's done over the past few years you know he's a captain on, the, on on this team i don't feel like he's playing like again playing like a captain yes acting like one i don't i don't feel like that at all anytime there's a loss it's it's like this guy you're riding the emotional roller coaster with this guy all the time and I feel like he always, not blatantly, but you know, subjectively pushes the blame to everybody else but him. Hey, we're a losing franchise, but hey, I'm not a loser. I'm not, you know, I'm a winner. You know, how many times you hear him say, "I'm a winner," "I'm a winner," "I'm a winner." Well, a guy that I like a lot, Bill Parcells, has always said one thing: "You are what your record says you are," and your record it goes with what the team is. So, uh, what? How many games have the Jets won with Jamal here? You know, uh, was it 16? I think it is. So, to me. If I'm the Jets, I don't want to trade the guy, but I'm going to listen. That's how I feel about Jamal.
0: And, and Rich, what what are your feelings about Jamal? I think, John, you you hit it right on the head. He's an incredible player, but some of this off-the-field stuff is really just – it's a distraction.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's one of the biggest falls from grace that I've ever seen as far as a Jets player goes. I mean, he was – the fan favorite. Everyone had the Jamal Adams jersey. I have a Jamal Adams jersey. Craig, you have a Jamal Adams jersey. You feel like it's safe to get his jersey because he is that guy. He said, "Put the team on my back." But the second that the team doesn't perform the way he wants, like John said, he completely blew up. You know, um, it, it's not a matter of Adam Gase. I don't believe that. You know, I I feel like it's Jamal wanting what he wants and what he wa- wanting what he wants now. Obviously, he wants to play close to home. He wants to be a Dallas Cowboy. But you handle stuff behind closed doors. You don't put it on Twitter. You don't put it on Instagram. And it's like he feels like he has all the power to do what he's doing. And he has absolutely no leverage. He has no power. He has two years left on his contract. You can actually franchise tag him after that. So you can let him rot on the bench for three years. And I think we're going to see what he is really made out of when the team comes back on the field. As far as with COVID, because you know the NFL is going to offer an opt out clause, and I guarantee you that Jamal Adams is going to be the first player to take it. You know, it's going to be like a ha ha to the Jets. If he's on the field and he puts his body on the line and he shows that he can be that guy for the Jets and then maybe get into the good graces for them to do him a favor, which I wouldn't, you know, that's going to be a different story. You can live on social media, you can do what you need to do. Obviously, he's a great player, he can play multiple positions, but at the end of the day, the Jets are more than a safety away from a championship. You know, they are a ton of pieces away. You know, it might be a new head coach. They have what they think is the quarterback of the future, but what else do they really have? They have a young defense, a great defensive-minded defensive coordinator, and an uphill battle. You know, if it's if it's to the point where you can get value for Jamal Adams, get a first-round pick and a player, you know, I might be doing it at this point because he doesn't want to be here but on the flip side of that I don't want to give him what he wants you know it's kind of like you're being selfish as a jets fan um but at the end of the day I mean if all players did this this league would be chaos you know it's not a reality show the whole Kirk Cousins thing where he got the fully guaranteed contract and the ESPN special that's what all the players want but that's not what the NFL is and especially next year when the cap is going to be destroyed I don't understand how you're even contemplating asking for something like this now, where next year, you know, it, it's more clear cut. You'll understand what the salary cap will be as opposed to what it's going to be with COVID. So it's it's a lot of selfishness by him. It's a big sour taste in my mouth. And most of the fans, um, if you're on Twitter or whatever social media you're on, Jets fans completely turn on Jamal Adams. You know, there is no really coming back when it's on video saying, I'm trying to go to Dallas you know, when you're still under contract. So for me, I'm conflicted. I would love to get value for him, but at the same time, I want him to rot on the bench.
2: I I feel the same way, Rich. I'm conflicted as well. And a part of my part of the issue that I have with him, even put the Instagram and the Twitter stuff aside for a second. I don't believe any player once they sign their rookie deal or whatever contract they sign, they got two years left to go. You keep your mouth shut until that last year. You want to – I can make the case you you want to reward a player for outplaying his contract. You do that in the last year, you have him signed. Not when there's two years left. You just don't do that. And, and, and frankly, I hope the Jets don't. I I hope they say to him, hey, this is what you're going to play on this year, and after this year we'll, you know, we'll talk about your contract next year. And and if he plays and he keeps his mouth shut and he does everything and he just, you know – leaves it on tape and puts it on the field. I got no problem with them extending them. As a matter of fact, I'll be first in line to say that I want them to. But the the off-field shenanigans has to stop. He's got to stop trying to negotiate through the media because he's making himself look like a fool.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's not Christian McCaffrey. You know, Christian McCaffrey, you could say that Jamal Adams is a generational talent. He is. But you look at Christian McCaffrey, he's that entire team. He does everything for the Carolina Panthers. He's the person you want to build around. He has great rapport with everyone. He keeps his nose clean. He doesn't have any of the shenanigans. He is the anti-Jamal Adams, and he got rewarded for it. And, you know, we're going to get to Patrick Mahomes. He got rewarded for it. You know, if you're going to get – if you want money, you know, the Jets are the team that have the most money. And At the end of the day, you just don't want to play here, so you're going to alienate everyone around you. That's I don't know if any team wants a player like that, regardless of what happens on the field, because when the contract time happens again and this is just going to happen again, you know, and he put seven teams out there that he would love to play for and he doesn't need a contract extension, which is just another slap in the face to all the New York Jets fans, all the New York Jets coaches, like everyone involved. So for me, he is the anti -Christian, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and that's why he's not getting rewarded.
0: Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, he was a player with a lot of promise and he, he, he's very talented, but when players kind of go about their, their contract negotiations like this, it just leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouth. And you know, they, you're never quite the same player, right? Like when, once you, you get that problem player, that diva label slapped on you, um, you never really quite recover. Everywhere you go goes a media circus, there's a lot of attention and you, you tend to see play suffer. So it, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I think John's point about there being two, two years left on this contract. Like it's just kind of disrespectful to the team uh, is what really resonated with me. Um, a few more quick NFL updates because we actually have like a show to get into at the 15 minute <laughs> mark of this thing. Um Uh, The Washington Redskins are very close to changing their name. They uh, will not include any sort of Native American imagery in the logo. They officially came out and said this week, but also, um, like, that's the whole point. Like, why would they? (laughs) Um, And uh, also earlier this week, Stephon Diggs, um, who was – signed by the Buffalo Bills this offseason, um, has stated he's not comfortable playing during the current COVID-19 conditions. J.J. Watt had uh, stated he wouldn't feel comfortable playing if they had to wear like a, a face shield. So I, you know, I think re- the NFL is going to have to really pay attention to what the players want, what they're comfortable with, and what's going on because I, this virus isn't going away anytime soon, and if they want to have a season – Uh, They might have to, uh, you know, sacrifice some top-tier talent or come up with some kind of a a way to make sure these players stay safe um, during the season. So it's all this stuff to consider. But the biggest news of the week has to be Patrick Mahomes' gigantic 10-year contract. Rich, let's let's just start with you. The the details of, of this contract, the Patrick Mahomes deal. Just, and what were your immediate thoughts?
1: I mean the immediate thoughts is the number kept going up first it was 450 million then it's 477 million then it ends up at 503 million with all his escalators and all his roster bonuses and everything else and it's crazy to me that I, I think he absolutely deserves it. you know he is just like I had mentioned with Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers you know Patrick Mahomes came in like a wrecking ball. You know, Andy Reid and him are a match made in heaven, and there's no reason to not think this team can win it every single year. You know, the way that the team is built, they have their power players, they have a solid defense, they have great coaching. You have one piece set for the next decade. And then if you want to do it again, you know, he'll be young enough to do it again. You know, the team is going to get younger quick. Obviously, they need to, you know, allocate money. To, uh, to Patrick Mahomes every single year. So he's going to have a lot of young guys to work with. But as we've seen so far, he can work with everyone that comes on the team. You know, you you have Clyde Hilaire that's coming in, running back. Damian Williams is coming back. And of course you got Tyreek. Sammy Watkins took a pay cut because he's having a fun time. He really, he came out and said, how much money do I need? You know, when you have a, a team like that and a player like that, that's what you want. Travis, Travis Kelsey, obviously the top tight end, I believe in the NFL Um, it just, it's a really solid way to build a team. Um, and I think that they're going to make it work with money. They had $5 at the beginning of this off season. And now, you know, they have a little money to work with. I think it is brilliant the way they did it. Um, because every single year the the values is going to go up and up and up, you know, when the Eagles signed Carson Wentz, for example, I think they did it at the perfect time because they got a bit of a bargain. Uh, you see what Jared Goff got and that destroyed the Rams. Um, I think they're doing it the right way. So congrats to, uh, to Patrick Mahomes, next year's MVP as well. You know, enjoy your half a billion dollars um, and, you know, keep being exciting because the Chiefs are a very exciting team to watch right now.
0: Yeah, and, and they're really, I, I, I think, well, I love that that they've taken care of their quarterback, right, and, and they've made a strong move. But I think this is really kind of unprecedented. A 10-year contract is is insanity. Uh, you know, Tom Brady never got a 10-year contract. Peyton Manning never got a 10-year contract. Uh, you know, the NFL's best don't get signed to this long because, you know, everyone knows the NFL stands for not for long. So, John, from that perspective, how do you think this type of contract has implications on the NFL as a whole?
2: Well, I think it's a bar setter. its I mean, if I can compare it to baseball for a second, years ago when A-Rod got the first quarter of a billion dollar contract, 10 years from the Rangers, everyone was like, Holy cow. You know, and I think this is that type of contract that this is the, you know, what are you kidding me that that kind of money type contract? It's just, you know, I think rich made uh, all the good points to, you know, uh, I I think Kansas city, I give them a lot of credit for putting it out there. Uh, They got a guy that they know can play is shown. He can play, shown he can play hurt. Sure. He could play through some things. And he's he's the player on the field that makes the other ten players all better, every single one of them. And when you that's it's a once in a lifetime, once in a generational player, in my opinion. And when you get that guy, you don't let him walk out the door. So the fact that they they basically backed up the Briggs truck and said, "Here you go," I can't say I blame them. I don't. I'm a I'm a huge Patrick Mahomes fan. I was I was a fan of his in college. I was. I, I love that, um, you know, I, I love that he went to Kansas city when he was drafted. Uh, Rich will probably remember. I, I kept saying, man, I'd, I'd love the Jets to draft this guy, mm-hmm. but you know, and you know, I think he landed in the right place for him and him and Reed, you know, you can look back to head coach and quarterback over the years. Uh, and you know, they have the chance to be the, you know, this generation's Walsh in Montana, uh, that they really do. That's listen, those are big shoes right there, but you know, uh, I could see it, you know, even you know the Brady Belichick, and you know i'm not I'm not sure they're gonna win six or seven titles or or even if they'll win a second one. But I know this. the chiefs are gonna be fun to watch for a long time. For sure
0: that they're they're going to be offensive powerhouses. And guys, I'm gonna go a little bit off dock here, um just you know, in a different order because the show is daily to dynasty after all and and we focus on fantasy football and from a fantasy perspective does this 10 year contract impact players of the Kansas City Chiefs meaning you know they're 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 not going to necessarily have dollars now to spend on on top tier free agents on, you know on, on other types of players unless they're they're willing to take a pay cut so This coming season, no, I don't think this has any kind of fantasy implication. I I think, if anything, Patrick Mahomes plays a little bit harder because he's super happy now. Um, But in a few seasons from now, if they cannot get that top-tier free agent, right, if they can't re-sign their high-performing rookie to a high contract because of how much money they're paying Patrick Mahomes – I do think that there we could see a potential dip in some productivity out of Kansas City's offense. I don't necessarily think it's Patrick Mahomes that'll take a dip, but I think you might have a harder time, you know, seeing Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey and the running back and whatever and all these guys kind of stick around on one team for so long. Rich, over to you. From a fantasy perspective, do you, do you think there's anything to really pay attention to here?
1: I don't think there's going to be a drop-off at all. And that's just simply because I think that the team is built just like how the Patriots are. You know, you could have no names coming off the street. You know, you, could have, you can plug and play someone like a Chris Hogan. and He can look like a number one wide receiver. You know, I think the Chiefs are going to be that way. You know, if they can't afford someone, you know, it sucks, but you it's the next man up. And I think the Chiefs are going to be a team that people are going to come to for a little bit less to play. You know, Sammy Watkins already did it. I really think that, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to stick around. Uh, He's signed there for a couple more years. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, is going to be the person that makes everyone else look good, like John said. He makes everyone on that team look better. Um you know, even on defense, because he's going to give them more opportunities to get turnovers because he scores every single drive. So for me, I don't think it's going to be a drop-off. I think you can have a second-tier wide receiver shine. I think you could have a second-tier running back shine. I just think that he makes all the right plays. Um, so for me, I it's the Patriot way, and I would take anyone on the Chiefs offense at this point. And John, I'll kick it
0: to you. From a fantasy perspective, do you, do you think this level of contract affects – anyone on the Chiefs for fantasy?
2: No, I don't. Especially, I'm going to echo a lot of what Rich said here, Um, especially the first year or first two years or first three years. I I think also this contract has the ability to be reworked a few times over the years and deferred money and things like that. But as Rich pointed out, and I totally agree with, you're going to see that better player take a little less money to come play in Kansas City. I'm I'm a big believer in that. Again, I'm going to compare it to San Francisco of the 80s and the early 90s. Deion Sanders went there for a year. Deion, who's Mister Money, he took a little bit less money to go play with San Francisco for a couple of years because he thought he could win a title there, and he did. So I think you're going to see stuff like that with Kansas City. People are going to want to play there because Mahomes is there, and I think, and again, him making everybody better, the talent around that team is is insane to begin with. Um, you know, Rich, you rattled off a bunch of people. and One I know you inadvertently left off, Nicole Hardman. I think mm-hmm. that guy. I think you know, he's Tyree kill junior, basically put those two on the field together and, you know, Mahomes might be able to throw 70 touchdown passes. I mean, it's just, you know, as they just continue to get better, I I don't think they've hit their ceiling yet. Um, And again, I'll I'll echo what I said before. They're going to be fun to watch. They really are. I I almost wish that wish they weren't in the AFC, but they're going to be a fun team to watch for a long time. And I, and I don't think it's going to impact fantasy um, dramatically at all. other than you're going to want Mahomes on your team, which you do you do now anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, to that
0: point, right, you, you're going to want Mahomes on your team, but the, the NFL is a copycat league, right? If one team does something, a lot of teams are going to start doing things. And there's a lot of premier young quarterback talent in the NFL. And so the big question is now, Patrick Mahomes got a 10-year, half-a-billion-dollar contract who's the next quarterback to get a 10 year, half a billion dollar contract. Cause you know, the number is only going to get higher. And for me, it's, it's Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, won the MVP last season, um, had an incredible breakout year, um, proved a lot of people wrong that he is a, a great thrower of the football. And with that added athleticism, I just think he is incredible. He's a game breaker. And, he is going to get some kind of contract like this. He has saved the career of John Harbaugh after a couple of years of mediocrity, right? Especially after they won the Super Bowl, they were very mediocre for a long time until Lamar Jackson just exploded onto the scene. Um they're all of a sudden Super Bowl contenders again. Um they're going to have to get past Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but I mean, this is to me clear cut one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's the new breed of NFL quarterback. So for my money, I think Lamar Jackson is the next quarterback to get paid. Uh, Rich, over to you. Who do you think is getting the next monster contract?
1: I mean, I don't think anyone's going to get half a billion. But uh, for me, it has to be Dak Prescott. I think, you know, based on what happened with Patrick Mahomes, the Cowboys might uh, allow a little more money to Dak. I mean, he's coming off career highs and yards and touchdowns. And I really think there's a big drop-off between him and Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is a game manager. Obviously, there's a lot of weapons there in Dallas. But, you know, Dak Prescott is a difference maker. Um, I think the Cowboys are prime right now to compete in the NFC. But who knows how long that window is going to be open. You know, if you give Dak Prescott, let's say, a six-year deal, um, you know, you, you take one thing off the board. You can also move money around to help the Cowboys in the long run. So, for me, Dak Prescott... You know, you pair him up with Mari Cooper and Gallup and Lamb and Zeke. You know, you, that's a powerhouse offense. Um, he is he is a favorite in Dallas. And, you know, based on what he's asking for, it doesn't seem as crazy, uh, you know, as it was a few weeks ago based on what Patrick Mahomes got. I don't think he is Patrick Mahomes, but I think he's definitely in that second tier. So a six-year contract for him, you know, makes a lot of sense now. And
2: I think the Cowboys are in a cave a little bit.
1: And, John, over to you.
0: Who's the next quarterback?
2: For me, and again, like Rich said, I don't think it'll be a half a billion, but I think this guy's going to get paid. Um, And I think he's probably the top tier of the, you know, want to call him the second tier, uh, you know, in this category. It's Deshaun Watson to me. Um, First of all, he's a good guy, and I think that's important. And and it's funny, the the three that we've all mentioned, I think they're all good guys, you know, um, including, you know, four if you include Mahomes. Uh, Watson's a player on the field. Obviously, when he's out on the field, he makes everybody better, makes that team better. Um, I think he's been stunted by his coach a little bit. but um, I, And I think – well, the other thing is I think the the Texans are crazy enough to give him that kind of money uh, or, or to maybe overpay him just a little bit based on what Mahomes is getting. Um, but I like Watson as a player. He's fun to watch as well. Um, you know, I, I don't associate his coach, as, uh, his coach to be an Andy Reid type, you know, to – keep them together. But the, the guy's also, you know, right now the GM there and I could see him wanting to reward his, you know, his number one guy. Um, so I'm, I'll go with Watson as the next guy. I mean, that's my only concern.
1: And you, your, your last sentence was my only concern. Bill O'Brien is definitely a wild card. You know, he's mm-hmm. done some crazy stuff as the general manager that he should have never been, you know, with trading off the Andrew Hopkins and everything else. I don't know if he has a great relationship with Sean Watson just based on the back and forth that I've seen, but obviously he deserves it. But for me, Bill O'Brien is going to delay it a little bit.
2: I I agree. And I I think a part of him trading, um, him trading away Hopkins is, is to keep a little money in his back pocket to be able to pay Watson. Do I, I, and I think the guy's a terrible GM. I mean, that'll remain to be seen. We'll see how that trade actually works out. But on paper, you know, the guy got robbed is I think he, no, I think he could have called three other teams and gotten more for for Watson than um, for Hopkins, and he did. I don't think there's any question. But uh, he's crazy enough to make it, to put a contract out there like that. I don't think there's any question. Um, it, just if he's especially if he's not going to be around for the end of it. So.
0: Yeah, and Watson, one of my favorite quarterbacks. I I think, you know, we will have to see how that trade plays out because David Johnson just a couple of seasons ago was the number one overall fantasy player. And I know injuries have really brought him down, but he was an incredible player. And, And if he comes back healthy with Watson and some of those other speedy wide receivers on the outside, I don't know, it might not be as crazy as we all think it is. My gut says it is as crazy as we think it is, but who knows? Um, heading back over to the AFC West real quick. Do we think that there are any kind of major implications to that division as a whole? I mean, it's it's been a competitive division for the last few years. Um, you know, Oakland, the Raiders, now in Las Vegas, won it a few seasons ago. The Broncos were at the top for a while. The Chiefs are now at the top. Uh, the Chargers, you know, have been very sneaky good. So uh, let's, I'll just kind of open it up for discussion. John, we'll start with you just about this division as a whole. And, and do you think that the Chiefs are, are kind of poised to dominate it for a while?
2: I, I do, but I think there's some good players and I think there's some good teams in that division. I think it's going to be, again, I think it's going to be a fun division to watch. Um, I think the Chargers could be sneaky good. I, uh, you know, I, I think they got their act together a little bit last year. Curious to see them without Phillip Rivers this year. Uh, Denver, in my opinion, is very improved from what they were last year i mean and they're gonna you know put a little bit of their faith in their their young quarterback too and i like what they did to protect that quarterback and to put some talent around them um, and i think that's a direct result and a direct response to the offense that the chiefs put on the field um, and the Raiders are Raiders are a wild card it's hard to trust the Raiders um but i i do think there's talent in that building and you know i, I do think they have a, a good head coach and a General manager that knows talent. It's just when they put it all together on the field. Um, you know their problem, that division's problem is going to be Patrick Mahomes. You you know you're going to play him twice a year, and it's a good chance you're going to give up 40 to 50 points both times you play him. So it's really what you do with the rest of the division. Um, but it, it'll be a fun division to watch. I can't tell you, uh, you know, other than you know if I'm picking that division right now, I'm going to pick the Chiefs first. I think we all would. And uh, you know Denver. Kansas City second third Raiders really I don't think you could pick a number two um, you know most likely the Raiders you know you know towards the bottom but again we don't know um, I, I think they've done a good job there all all four of those teams have done a good job improving and the three that are behind the Chiefs have a lot of have some talent so be a nice division to watch play if if, if we get to watch football this year and
0: Rich same question to
1: you I mean, with the Chargers, for me, it's addition by subtraction. Uh, I think, you know, getting rid of Melvin Gordon, like we talked about all show, there are players that are vocal in the wrong ways. I think Austin Eckler definitely is the better starting running back out of that duo. And then Justin Herbert there, I think they definitely have a chance to be very good, uh, especially with more teams making the playoffs. I think if you get in, anything can happen. I do love the Broncos wide receivers. I think Drew Locke is going to be great. The Raiders might find themselves in fourth this year, but again, there's no really bad teams in that division, but the Chiefs are just going to run away with it. Um, I think that's going to be at least a two to three game, you know, difference between one and two in that division. But the division itself is very good. If I had a second favorite team in that division right now, it would be the Broncos. But I think in a few years, it's going to be the Chargers.
0: And, And Rich, you mentioned a guy in Melvin Gordon who has found himself a new home in Denver um, and you know, they have two quality running backs, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and it's going to bring us into our, our next topic here and how to deal with running backs by committee for fantasy football. Um, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world when you have say Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay goes off that week and, and you just never know which one is going to pop off. Both are very talented you know, both have the ability to to have big games, but you know, do you get one of them? Do you get both of them? Uh, you know, how how do you kind of handle this, or do you just avoid them like the plague? And, and Rich, I, I know, I know, I personally know your your opinion, but let's tell the world <laughs> how do you handle running back by committee.
2: If
1: you have two running backs, you have no running backs. That's how I play fantasy football. I always will go for the bell cow. Over, you know, someone who has to share the load. And, you know, you talked about, you know, Denver, that's also they have Royce Freeman. So I mean, there's three running backs there that all see the field. Um, And you don't really know, you know, it's going to be a toss up with the points, you know, Philip Lindsay is a great running back for that team. I don't really think they needed Melvin Gordon in the first place. Obviously, it's a nice novelty item to have. But if you have two, if you have three, for me, you have none. And You know, I will always look to get the guy that's going to be on the field, let's say 80% of the time, you know, someone who is going to get points no matter what, Um, you know, the only exception to the rule is like a situation, let's say like Seattle, Um, I would take Chris Carson, just because, you know, it is a little bit of a running back by committee, but he is clear cut number one in that situation. Um, I always, you know, I always like having guys that are going to get guaranteed points. The only exception to that, obviously, if you're on a bye week, you know, you you can't have starters, you know, throughout the the board from your starting lineup to your bench. So in that scenario, I would love to have a PPR back, um, maybe someone like a James White that I can plug and play when my players are out. You know, he's a good guy to have. He catches a lot of balls. He's going to get you what you need to get through the week. But for me, like I said, running back by committee, I'm allergic to it. I don't entertain it. And, uh, you know, I love when people take running backs from teams that have two to three running backs. It makes me very happy.
0: Yeah, and and that certainly makes a ton of sense. But, you know, as the NFL has has changed, there are certainly less bell cow backs available. And, And, you know, sometimes you have to kind of take a, a back that is a bit of a by committee situation. And sometimes it works out, you know, a few seasons ago when Kamara and um, Ingram were on the same team, both were very successful almost every single week. So there, there's an argument to be made that good backs get their touches regardless of the committee. Um, John, over to you, same question. How do you kind of deal with this in your in your fantasy leagues?
2: Well, very similar to Rich. I, I try to avoid the by committee backs if possible, unless I – Unless I know there's a rookie out there that I could see taking the, the reins in a year or two and I could stash them, that's a different story. Uh, but I usually draft my committee backs based on the the, the my RB one backs by week. So in other words, if you know if I got Derek Henry and he's got a bye in week six, you know, I'm looking at the schedule to see who's got a weak game or a possible game versus a a weak defense. And, you know, if it's you know, maybe I'll, you know, this is obviously later in the draft than it is earlier. And I'll, I'll grab one of those guys based on a matchup that may happen six weeks from then. Um, And, you know, the other thing I like to do is, you know, if you have to draft them to, you know, fill out your roster or, you know, for backup situations and that kind of thing, I just like to be able to stash them if I can and hope that they end up becoming the bell cow. But, you know, if I usually draft them, it's by accident, not on purpose. And it's usually late, like I said, to fill a roster or that, or that kind of thing, or, to possibly use as trade bait for somebody else's handcuff or something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and John, I think you bring up a good point about uh, the bye week situation. I I know I've often overlooked my starters' bye weeks, you know, when, when drafting, and I don't necessarily have the right backups for when that that happens. So uh, I think that's that's especially a good point. And, and guys, I mean, this is this is really the thing, right? You want to be drafting the players that's going to get the most points possible, so it makes sense to avoid running backs by committee. I think if you're in a PPR league, there's still some value with getting the, the running back that is the, the pass catcher in that scenario um, because they're still going to get you a good amount of points and they probably get used a little bit more in the offense throughout the course of the field. They're not going to punch it into the end zone, but if you're in the PPR league, you know, you're know you going to get a ton of points from those little dinks and dunks. But you, you want to try to avoid them as, as most as best you can john from the daily perspective do you ever use backs in a running back by committee type of situation do you sometimes use both depending on the matchup how do you handle this
2: i will say almost never both um there's an exception to every rule you brought up um you know the same situation a couple of the saints situation a couple years ago where if there's no other matchups and they're playing a weak team and i know both guys are going to touch the ball and have a chance to score. Maybe I would do that, but that's probably one in a thousand. Um, otherwise, my you know, you guys know how I pick my daily lineups. It's matchup based. So it you know, it, if it's a guy who's going to get a lot of touches that game because one of the other guys is out, yes, I that player goes right to the top of the board for me. Uh, I always give them. Always, they always get a chance to shine. And to me, the value of an RB two, um, especially in daily, when you can cut your your budget a little bit that way. I like to play them a lot, but, you know, if both guys are healthy, am I going to pick one against the other? Um, Only if I think the matchup works and and no other time.
0: So definitely some sound advice there to help you cash some tickets as you're, you know, doing your homework. Daily fantasy is such an intriguing game, right? You're going to make that lineup every single week and and have all the players at your disposal. Um, But it's definitely important to do your homework early on. So guys, our last topic of the night is, are three players to avoid in 2020, and we have a habit of doing this. Three different people on this this show, three different players for all of us. So we, we have nine players to avoid for fantasy football this season between all of us. Um, that's like we've done three shows. That's three weeks in a row now um, where this has happened in our our last segment. So a little – little interesting there, if you ask me. Um, Rich, we'll we'll start with you, and why don't you just take us through all three of your players to avoid?
1: All right. So first off, I got Dwayne Haskins. Uh, For me, you know, I'm not a huge Dwayne Haskins fan. I I like what they're doing in Washington as far as the coaching goes. I hope that Ron Rivera can come in and, you know, make things a little bit different. But for me, Dwayne Haskins isn't going to be that guy that's going to be the future of the team. I think he's got a lot of you know, woes. I think he's going to have a sophomore slump um, and he doesn't have that guy that is going to be his, his go-to. I mean, obviously Terry McLaurin is great, but uh, you know, for me, I, I don't think he's going to surma- surpass more than 15 touchdowns this year, which is terrible to say. Um, but I, I just don't see it. I'm not a huge Dwayne Haskins fan at all. Um, second player Greg Olson. Um, I'm not really sure. Well, I know why he wants to sign in Seattle. It's a matter of, you know, I want to win a title before I retire. It's just, you know, it, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Seattle. Um, he was kind of fading as a fantasy option when he was in Carolina. And now it's even more of an afterthought for him. I think he's just a nice secondary tight end there behind uh, Will Disley. I like Will Disley. I like what he did last year. I think he should still be the starter at tight end. Uh, and last, this, this guy... I don't know how he always ends up on my fantasy team. I don't know why I keep doing it to myself because it always ends the same way. It always ends in disappointment. And, you know, he's going to be in my starting lineup and he's going to get hurt. I know he's going to get hurt. and He might cost me my matchup. And that's all Sean Jeffrey. Um, he's probably not going to start the season. You know, he's not healthy. Who knows when he's going to come back. But when he comes back, he's not going to be back for long because he always gets hurt. Last year you saw, you know, there was some lingering injuries. I think he could have played um, and he took himself out of a lot of games. I just I just don't think he's there completely. You know, the Alshon Jeffrey that was in Chicago, that was a beast. When he was in Philadelphia, you know, he got what he needed to get. And I think it's probably time for both sides to move on. He's just not the player he used to be. He's not gonna be in my team this year. So spoiler alert for our Dynasty League, John, you can have him. <laughs> John and over to you. Um,
0: And and those three players, Rich, you know, I I 100% agree. Alshon Jeffrey and Greg Olson get injured all the time, and Dwayne Haskins, you know, I too young, too inexperienced for me at quarterback to to trust. And there's definitely better options. So, John, now over to you. Who are your three players to avoid?
2: Yeah, I think I have three that are going to surprise you. Um, Number one for me is Ryan Tannehill. I know he had a fantastic year last year. I think that's going to cause him to be overdrafted this year. And to just be frank, I have a little, I have some trust issues with him. Uh, You know, if he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong. And and maybe he makes a different list for me next year. But for right now, I'm going to avoid him. And I'm going to let someone else overdraft him rather than me touch him at all. Uh, My next guy I know is going to surprise everybody. It's Nick Chubb. Uh, To me, the Browns just have too many mouths to feed there. You know, and frankly, talent wise, I can make the argument that he's the second best on his team to hunt. Um, you know, I, I, think there's an immense amount of talent there. I do think he'll see the ball, but you know, when's he going to see it? How often is he going to see it? I want to make him prove it. And again, he's a guy that people are going to take in the first round. I don't think there's any question. Um, I, th- that's a scenario uh, not to, to jump t- back to the other topic. That's a scenario where I might take hunt later because I think he's going to, I think he's going to get the touches and I think he's going to score. And my other guy is Devin Singletary. I know he, he tore the, he tore it up towards the end of last year. But if you look at where he ranked running back wise, even if you take the last eight games of the season, it was probably in the 15 to 20 range because he just doesn't see the ball down by the goal line. So, again, there's a player, a young player who's very good that I think people are going to overdraft and I'm just not going to touch him. I'm going to let him go and and be happy not to take him because I, I don't think he's going to get the ball come goal line time. And really, let's face it, that's where you're going to get your points out of him.
0: And John, that's that's exactly what was my train of thought as well when selecting the running back on my list in Aaron Jones uh, from the Green Bay Packers. You know, they they drafted a um, big, beefy running back in AJ Dillon this off season. They already had um, a, a a bit of a back by committee situation happening. Um, he he's been a popular fantasy running back over the last two or three seasons or so but uh i i would avoid him immensely especially um with this young running back in here i think they're going to want to use him in in goal line situations and and really take away a lot of that that dirty touchdown work that aaron jones was getting uh, in previous seasons um another cleveland brown to avoid as well i am avoiding odell beckham jr and coming from me i think that would be shocking Uh, If everyone knew my history of loving Odell Beckham Jr., I was his biggest fan coming into the draft. I think, you know, he's immensely talented. I think he can catch the football almost better than anybody. Um, But the off the field stuff has certainly caught up to him, and he's starting to take away from his talent. Um, He's also been dealing with injury, and he just doesn't seem to have that explosiveness, that game breaking ability that we saw in those first couple of seasons in new york um this is a guy who has been a first round pick the last couple of seasons um i am avoiding him i think there's better wide receivers out there he's not worth taking to me i think you're just going to be disappointed and his former teammate evan engram is a tight end that i have taken a few times i've been disappointed every time um Tight end is one of the hardest fantasy positions. And if you don't get one of the best ones, you're kind of stuck drafting one of these young guys who show a lot of promise. I'd rather try my luck with a, a TJ Hawkinson or one of the other, you know, younger second year um, tight ends that we discussed on, on previous shows, than take a guy like Evan Engram, who I know is just going to disappoint me. So that's our, our nine candidates uh, to, uh, Uh, Avoid in 2020. Before we close this thing up, Rich John, any closing thoughts?
1: I mean, I'll fall on the sword for Nick Chubb. I mean, that's the only one that I can't agree on because you know Nick Chubb, he can carry a team. Although he doesn't see a lot of goal line, you know, carries. I agree with that. Hunts that guy, but in one play, he could take it 89 yards and get in the end zone. Or if he doesn't fall in the end zone, that's still you know that's what you need usually for a running back in the entire game. I think that he has. Definitely, all the explosiveness that you want, and you know, even though that is a running back by committee, he is technically still the starter. Um, and for him, three plays could could be the difference. Um, but you know, I completely agree on Ryan Tannehill. He was actually my fourth on this list, and I was contemplating putting him in over Haskins. I think you know, obviously, what he did in Miami is not what he is doing in Tennessee, and it can change in a second. But I'll fall on that sword for next job. That's the only one. Uh,
0: Rich is a big fan of Nick Chubb, so I'm not surprised by that at all. Well, uh, guys,
2: or John, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, uh, Rich. We could tell. We could tell everybody. I traded Nick Chubb to Rich last year in our dynasty league, and I got chastised for it all over the place. <laughs> I, I did it right at the trade deadline as Hunt was coming back, and last year maybe looked silly because he went on to have a you know continue to have the year that he had. Um, but I, I, started thinking about Chubb in this scenario last year and, uh, and I did let him go in a, in a league that, like I said, especially the guy I think was, you know, the, the three guys that it usually is there for the top spot. And then he, the other guy was like, what, what, is, what are you guys paying this guy under the table here? You know? But, uh, so yeah, I, I knew Rich was going to fall on the sword for Chubb. Um, you know, so th- I thought that was funny.
0: But John, one thing I've always admired about you. You're a man with convictions. You have an opinion. You stick to it. And it's worked for you thus far. So, I don't know which one of you guys will be right. Maybe that we can put a little side wager on the success of Nick Chubb this year for fantasy football. Uh, if you guys have an idea for that, leave it in the comment section below. Or you can always fire away at us on Twitter, at daily to dynasty You can follow me at seagorps 94 Rich at Coda522, or John at John Hazlett. Four seven five, And I know we threw a lot of things out there this week. If you have an opinion about anything, you can always leave it in the comment section below or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash daily to dynasty Remember to like, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Subscribe to the podcast feed. Give us a five-star rating. It helps the show out immensely. Plus, you get to be in the know whenever we're dropping new content. We will be putting out some content in the middle of the week, getting a little bit closer to the NFL season to help you out with that waiver wire um, in short form, quick video, because that's what you need real quick before you head into the waiver wire, right? You need need that like two-minute who do I need to add this week to win on NFL Sunday. That'll be coming out a little bit later out this week summer um guys we mentioned them at the beginning of the show but if you're a sports fan sports fan odds are you love an underdog story and you're gonna love our friends at the underdog loose newsletter every week they sift through hundreds of articles videos and podcast interviews and then every tuesday morning they send out a bite-sized rundown of only the best stories that you can find all in one place you can subscribe to them at jokermag.com newsletter and follow them on twitter at Joker Mag HQ. All right, guys. It's been a real fun show this evening. Thank you so much for listening, watching, liking, subscribing, leaving five stars, and giving us voicemails. We look forward to speaking to you again real soon.